When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I just say a big, big thank you before we get into episode 67, a big, big thank you to everyone this year. There's so many thank yous. Sounds like a speech for the Oscars or something, this, doesn't it? But yeah, I want to thank Powered 4 TV for everything this year, for showcasing the podcast on there. Thank you, John and Rich. I would also like to thank Richie Sorrentino at Good Times Guaranteed and Barry Horowitz, who is the big sponsor there. They got me some big, big guests from WWF, WWE days. So I was ever so grateful of that. And also a big thank you to the Wrestling Travel Podcast crew, Justin Clapper and Danny Wolfenstow from there, the Ops guys for Wrestling Travel. Thank you for letting me come on the podcast most Thursdays for the last couple of months. It's really helped me and it has led to me getting booked for stuff. And there's a new show coming out with me and Mac Davis next year in 2021. And I'm just absolutely overwhelmed. And a big, big thank you to Jay Apter allowing me to come on the Superstar Pro Wrestling shows, which are hopefully running next year. Pandemic permitting, we've got 10 shows. And I am on commentary with the Mad Dog Mike Angus, my good friend, and the show intro dude. A big, big thank you to Chris Dutton, editing every week. It's been practically one, one a week, maybe more. Some weeks we're doing two a week. Thank you very much, mate, for everything making it look slick in audio form, in visual form. Thank you very much. And a big thank you to Lee Copson also for updating the website. Just incredible. Thank you for the support. You guys are priceless to me and um, incredible. And also to Evade Escape. We've played a few tracks from Evade Escape this year. For the show intro, thank you for letting me use the songs, lads. Can't wait to keep using the songs in 2021. A big thank you to the Zangwills too and 3210s. Zang Wills and 32 Tensions, thank you for letting me use the music. Music is a big part of the show, and it's intertwined with wrestling for me. So, yeah, thank you very much, and a happy new year into 2021 to everyone. Thank you. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer! And at you two times this week, it's a special Xmas celebration episode. I've given you an extra one. We did this interview at the end of October, and it's none other than Connor Klein, a member of Paradox, well known on the UK circuit, a great young talent. He's also one of Will Ospreay's young lions on the UK circuit too. Connor has done a lot in a short space of time in terms of wrestling. We talk about the defying what culture pro wrestling shows that used to happen. And he's got some great stories there. He's actually got a story with Austin Aries backstage. But I'll leave it at that with that one. I won't go into any more detail with that. And he is also one of Will Ospreay's Young Lions. The guy has done so, so much in a short space of time, as I've just said. So without further ado, it is episode 67 with Paradox's Connor Klein. Enjoy. We are back to the UK. I've done a lot in the US recently. And my guest today is none other than a member of Paradox. Great faction, by the way. Mr. Connor Klein. How's it going, man? 
It's going well, Stu. Um, really well. How how's yourself? All right, mate. All right. You know, just mm. ticking ticking along, ticking along. Being off work because of the Welsh lockdown, but all good in the main, mate. All good. So yeah, I, I think we'll be joining you soon here on Merseyside. <laughs> Are they saying they're saying a month, aren't they? In, yeah, in, month now? starting Wednesday, I think it is. But I don't know. You have to just—it's all ASAC, they say, isn't it? But we'll, how, we'll get how's through lockdown it. been for you? I know it's a bit of a general. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> uh, to be honest, it's been absolute hell. Absolute hell. Um, I'm really. I, I'm gonna. I'm, we're, we're starting this podcast with a bit of a sub story here. Um, so uh, I went into lockdown. Um, I had to like leave my job and stuff, but I still managed to get the furlough payment because of our contract um, yeah. later on down the line. Um, because to protect me that because he was vulnerable. Um, but come it, it, it was I was coping with it quite well. I was enjoying it because I got myself a little set routine and stuff. Like um, I've got, I was quite lucky. I got a lot of weights I was using in the garden and stuff. Still training, still watching wrestling, playing on my games, going for walks and stuff. What we were allowed to do back then. And um, come Easter weekend, um, I lost my mum to COVID. Um, and I really struggled with that. Um, to the fact that it really got to me. And I, never, I don't think I'm fully quite over it, but I'm, a lot, I'm coping with it a lot better now. Where I, I did used to really struggle um, with the thought process of, you know what, I've just lost my mum. And it was to such... Um, it was so needless if, you know, if they would have locked down, I know a lot of pe- people will have different to say, but if they would have locked the country down properly like New Zealand, maybe it would have been avoidable, but it, I mean, mum would still be here, but I'm I'm not angry at that anymore, was I? I used to let it really get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I lost her to dementia years ago anyway. Um, she she contracted dementia quite young at the age of 50 oh, um, so um, so look if you can see the positives out of it um, she's no longer in pain anymore and stuff but um, obviously it's still sad because I'd rather have my mum here mm-hmm. than, but it just is what it is and I can't argue with her now it's just life and I've got to like, learn to move on from it now thanks for sharing that man I Thank you. You know, I know that was, that was tough for you then. So yeah, right. A bit, bit of positive now. Bit of positive. Off this move. Let's off this morbid move. When did you get started with wrestling training? I'm going to go that route first. I've been changing it, up, but I'll go. We'll go with that with you. How it was, yeah. the origins I, starting. I, I always wanted to do it, you know, as a kid. Um, because. Am I allowed to swear? You can swear, mate. We have expletives okay. on the show every week. Alright, um, I was absolute dog shit at footy. Dog shit. Really? Yeah. To the point where, like, even in school, I was a bit bullied because I was dog shit at footy. Um, <laughs> I was just, like, a little gimpy kid. Um, so, to toughen me up, my dad used to, like, send me to boxing, kickboxing and judo and stuff like that. So, I, I got quite... I was, and I had a lot of older cousins, like my cousin Daniel got me into wrestling and he was quite a bit older than me, quite a bit bigger than me and he used to throw me around quite a bit so I got used to being thrown about in like a, a young age. Um, 
and then I I got I got the Xbox One and it feels like I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm not. And I got I got the network because I just the network had just come out. I was like, yeah, it's an hour enough. Get to watch all the pay per views and go back and watch all the old stuff. Um, so I got that. And I was watching NXT UK, uh, not NXT UK, NXT Takeover London. You know the first one they Absolutely, did. Absolutely, like, the, the main event was Balor versus Joe. Yeah, and I just got absorbed in it because I, I I'm used to like, watching like you know like WWE and it's all very g- generic chances in it like let's go see you know? and I just I don't know it's just like okay you can be a bit more creative than this and I see you know, obviously in London the crowd were creative with all the chance and they just didn't shut up all night I thought this is boss I want to be a part of this Um, so I got onto my mate uh, Graham Fisher big wrestling fan Absolutely. Um, I've known him since I was a little, late, little lad um, and he was like he used to work with my mum so um, he, I messaged him because I knew he goes to like he goes to, like TNT and stuff in Liverpool and all the other shows. And he said, "Oh, do you know Mark's got a school in Bedmonton?" And I lived in Eastham at the time, and it's not far; it's about a fifteen-minute drive. And okay, so I messaged the school. Uh, I started speaking to Dean through that, and then Dean added me on Facebook, and we started speaking more and more on that, and then just turned up. I never looked back. Really, it was a bit different to what I was expecting. I didn't, but I didn't know what to expect. Um, I didn't bump. My first bump I didn't bump properly. I twatted the back of my head. <laughs> nearly threw up. As the ghost is out for a little bit. Oh, but I came straight back in and was taking body slams and stuff and yeah. suplexes. So I loved it and I just never, I'd never turned back. And like, I didn't miss a training episode, a training episode, a training session um, until like, I you know I needed to. Like, if something had come up and I had to miss one, I'd never miss the training session. Um, I loved it I just never looked back and I think obviously with my dad getting me like all rough and tumble like doing boxing kickboxing judo and stuff so I knew my footwork and I knew like with the judo you learn how to roll quite a bit and how to break fall and stuff so that's that come a bit easier for me as well um, and I just never looked back and I, I've always been under Dean like uh, travelled the country of Chris Ridgeway quite a lot of when he used to do his training seminars up and down the country I used to go like that Knuckle Locks and Dragon Pro and Kamikaze just go down there and all the stuff because Ridgeway is quite unique in what he does in his uh, shoot wrestling isn't he mm-hmm. so it was quite nice having that in my arsenal as well as the stuff that Dean had taught me in the, like previously and what he has been teaching me currently up until that point into what he's taught me now um, and obviously Dean's one of the best wrestlers in the country, if I'm not the world. Man. Yeah, and I think it's an absolute travesty. He's not everywhere. I do, I do genuinely think that that's a really big injustice. That Dean Allmark should be everywhere. And you hear it. Everyone should. Yeah, you hear it so often, Connor. Everyone, you know, and it's 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 warranted because he's superb. Oh, he is. He's brilliant, and you know what? He's one of the nicest people you yeah. ever meet. Like I've never heard a bad thing about him. And I'm not brown nosing him here in case he gets a little ego boost, but no, Dean is one of the best in the country. That's cool, man. Uh, oh yeah, I was 19 when uh, I first started wrestling, just 10 and 20, so I was like 19 because I started the, the January just after Christmas because that's when I just got my Xbox, got my Xbox for Christmas. So yeah, that's when I started 19. I wish I started younger though because mm-hmm. there was like lads that trained, like this lad called Jord. 
he wrestles under the name Jordan Black. And some of the stuff he can do, he's been doing it since he's like 13. And he's he can do like mad flips. He's landing on his feet from like stupid heights doing like loads of somersaults. I'm like, I just don't get it. I wish I started that young when I was like his yeah. build. So I could do that stuff, but it just I've had to adapt to how my body is to wrestle my style. Just to scoop forward a bit from from training, when when was your first match? Because I, I like asking this because everyone differs. It's always a different time frame yeah. with, with with wrestlers. Like so, yeah, yeah. that'd be the next I think one. At All Star, everyone kind of waited about three years for their first match. And I got mine in, the, in about a year and a half. Um, I, I think what helped was that when everyone joined All Star, they were all they've been there for years. So when they joined, they were all like still kids, like still like, little teenagers. Uh, where I, I was like I was like nineteen, twenty when I started. So I, I debuted at twenty one, uh, uh, Real Town Hall for All Star, um, and. Yeah, I just loved it, you know. I'm stumbling across my idea. But no, yeah, real town hall. Um, and I just remember Brian Dixon coming up to me going, you got your gear? And I was like, yeah, I've got my gear. And what, and what happened was I went back to my car and I just got a new car that week. So I hadn't swapped all my stuff from... I've still had all of my old car. I hadn't swapped all, like, put all the stuff that was in there into my new car. So I've gone to my boot and all I've had is my boots and my knee pads. I'm like, oh no! So I went back and I went. All I've got is my boots and my knee pads. And luckily, when wrestlers are quite um, fussy what gear they wear, like look, a few of the lads had like spare gear and they just threw it across to us. So I wore like big gold bit on the ass and a big like uh, turquoisey bit on the front. And, uh, people always ask me, "You still got that gear?" Like, no, it was never mine. Oh mate! Oh man! Who did you get? Who did you get in there with? Um, it was another trainee, and uh, his name, his wrestler name, Joseph Hyde. Uh, his real name, Louis. Um, I think he, me and him, we've been training about the same time. You know what? It wasn't like we were picked. It was because we were the only ones there, and this is what I like to stress. So, like, you know, like people were, like trying to get matches under the belt and like debuts you know what just turn up to shows with your gear and help out and if you constantly keep going people do recognise you and be like because it's happened to me loads um, getting on shows like just turning up helping out with the ring and getting the, the all set up yeah so just, I just want to say to each other keep turning up and keep helping out because you, your hard work should get rewarded at the right places it will um, like obviously I've been at shows I've like, travelled hours Helped set the ring up for like you know months on end, and then just not got anywhere. So I've just like obviously I've just turned away from that show. Like oh, I'm not going to pursue that anymore. Um, but no, yeah, that's what we. That's how we got onto our show, onto this show at Real, because we always used to go every summer. Real Town Hall would be every Tuesday, and we'd go for it was like for like six weeks, and we'd go you know for the whole school holidays. Wow, and we'd go and we watch. And, like, sometimes some of the lads get on to my first year. I'd only been there, like, six months. I was like, okay, I expect I'm not going to get on. And then the next year I got on, I was very surprised at that. Um, and then, but at the time, me and Chris Ridgway became mates. Um, not long before, like, we were going to the gym and he started coming to All-Star to train a little bit. 
And um, he just moved to the Wirral. I don't think he really knew many people on the Wirral. And so I was like speaking to him and he just sat around. He was like, well, now that you've got your first match under your belt, um, do you want to travel with me to shows? Like, you drive, I'll get your expenses paid and I'll try and get you on the show. Well, not like try and like get me on. Like, obviously, work hard to get on, like, show your face, help out and that. And then hopefully I'll get returned the favour. Because we're going to like, London and Ipswich and all over, but but you know what? I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, so I just started travelling with Ridgeway, and that's how I started getting out on like the little independence around the UK, um, getting matches under my belt and having a great time. Like I still think I I, I need to take it up again now and start working a bit much bigger shows and stuff. And obviously, I need to work hard to get up that. But back then, I just loved it. And you know what? I had some really good opportunities back then. I got on. I, I remember I went to the first ever episode of Defiance. Um, remember when they just changed it over and Austin yeah. Aries came out? I, I was security for that show. Um, and then, so that was in Newcastle. And the next day, they had a show in Birmingham, Defiance again. So we drove all the way from Newcastle to Birmingham the next day. And um, here's, here's a little... Wrestling trivia for you. I, I turned up and I was expected to do security again. I was like, oh, yes, I'm just doing security. And um, Ridgeway comes up to me and goes, you got your gear, haven't you? And I was like, yeah. He goes, someone hasn't turned up and he needs to turn up. Go speak to the promoter now. So I went up to him and I, um, I'm like Ridgeway's driver. Where um, dropped me on security again. He goes, oh, you're, you're, you train, don't you? I was like, yeah. And he goes, who, who, who trains you? I was like, Dean Omar. He goes, have you got your gear? I was like, yeah. He goes, right, we've got a spot for you on Defiance on one of the tapings. I was like, yeah. And he goes, it's only a uh, local talent. So I was a jobber. I got I got given a fake name of Ryan Dunn. Um, and I got threw around by Ian Simmons. But you know what? I loved the experience of being at, like, Defiant was huge at that point, yeah, wasn't it? Like it was, that was a, probably at its peak, at its biggest. And like even when it was what culture and all that, I I, I was like, oh, made up, you know, dead shuffed. Like looking back, a bit silly. Like oh yeah, I got jobbed out and stuff. I got battered and I made, got made to look a bit silly. But you know what? I loved it. Absolutely loved loved the experience of it. Um, we took a bit of a dive after that, but we picked it back up but yeah I, I got loads I was quite fortunate to have that experience on Defiance obviously I was a bit gutted not to go back to Defiance before I'd be folded because um, I would have loved to have done it again but obviously under as Connor Klein rather than Ryan Dunn again um, but yeah there, there's a little nugget of trivia for you there still. nice man what about I'm going to ask you how was it backstage at that show because the, the calibre of guys on them shows uh, just just the etiquette just the etiquette side, I like to hear like guys' um, experience backstage. Well, there's loads of respect going on, but obviously there's still a load of banter. Um, like banter with the lads, like people, like the beat boys being boisterous, because that's just what we are backstage the shows. If it's all just the boys, um, like obviously we're not being like dickheads or anything, it's just boys playing jokes on each other. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there was like... Re- Oh, one of my favourite people I've ever met is Speedball Mike Bailey because he's so polite and he doesn't and he's so respectful and he doesn't have to be. He, like, he always speaks to you like you're his equivalent. Because obviously I've met people and they've like, absolutely spoken to me like shit. <coughs> Honky tonk man. But um, 
Yeah, Speedball, my Bailey's brilliant. And like a lot of the other lads were coming up to me asking me questions and stuff and talking to me. And I, I did get to meet Austin Aries and speak to him because he was on the same card as me. He just won the belt that night off Marty Scale. So I remember coming in, I was getting uh, undressed from my match and Austin Aries coming and he was all dead sweaty. And he comes up to me, he goes, Hi, I'm Austin. And he grabs me and like nearly breaks me hand as he shakes it. <laughs> I was like, Oh, hello. And I'm like stood there. Like starts naked with just my hands over my bits. I was like, "Oh, Austin, you okay, mate?" He goes, "Yeah, good. How are you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good." He goes, "You pot, you pot." It was when um, IPW were doing the invasion angle with them. He's going, "Oh, you doing the running?" And I went, oh, no, I'm I'm not part of IPW. I've never wrestled for IPW, so I, don't, I wouldn't expect to. He goes, oh, "Okay, cool, mate, cool, mate." So I got to like be around Austin Aries and stuff. And I know Austin Aries is a very controversial figure. Like, so I'm not like. Defended him or anything like that. I'm just saying that's my encounter with Austin Aries. Um, there was also guys like Zach Gibson there, who, who's a great lad as well. I'm saying, I guess say he's a great lad. He, he, Zach Gibson, he's like he's helped British wrestling so much since his involvement of being in it. And like even when he was doing things before he got into the UK tournament, and he smashed them and like elevated himself and it elevated the area of Liverpool and wrestling and stuff as well. Yeah. He, so he's a pioneer in this part of the country. But I got to see guys like him, Marty Scale, also like the Aussie Open, stuff like that, Haskins, Jimmy Havoc. The shout-outs to the 80s and 90s classic wrestling group. They've had many shout-outs during the year. Matt Barnett runs a great, absolutely fantastic page, and he's going to be doing interviews and stuff next year, so please go and check him out. He's had Lanny Poffo, he's had Randy Hogan, he's had Mike Drozzi, to name but a few. So many people have contributed, he's had videos sent, and I look forward to seeing Matt's content next year, the 80s and 90s classic wrestling page. Yeah, so I got to travel around with Midway to like um, Lucha Forever, if you remember Lucha Forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, I used to love Lucha Forever, I used to love going to the nightcaps, going down to London quite a lot better. It was all over the country and got to see so many wrestlers that, you know what, I probably won't ever get to see on a show again. I've, I got to see Pete Dunn versus Mario Fuji. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant. Um, I got to see like wrestlers like Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, um, like Ricochet, or, uh, Osprey as well, because yeah. he, he's uh, exclusive to Rev Pro in New Japan now, isn't he? Um, and like at the time, they were like, Huge, I was like, wow, I never actually get to like. I even got to go to Frontline um, and watch Ridgeway versus Keno, and that was Keno's first UK appearance. So I was like, yeah, this is brilliant, it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. So I'm really fortunate of getting to see these matches and being able to learn off these people um, so early on in my like wrestling career because I still think I'm quite young into it, I'm like three years into it properly, but I'm still very new to it, I'm still very green, I'm still learning quite a lot of it so I'm, I'm just very grateful that I've had these opportunities okay yeah I've had better opportunities than some yeah, um, I'm really grateful for it yeah man right I want to talk about the formation of your faction Paradox yeah let's get let's get into Paradox I think that's the next we'll shift into yeah. that now okay um, so we had this we had an American coach um Harlem Bravado, you know, remember from the Bravado Brothers and RWH? RW, yeah, RWH. I don't know. Yeah, the, the Bravado yeah, Brothers. Harlem Bravado and Lancelot Bravado. Brilliant. You know, Stu Watson. 
and because he was quite heavily involved in the uh, Camp Rip show run in the UK, and Brian Dixon booked him as his champion. So he was over in the UK quite a lot, and he was staying on the Wirral where we were training. So he'd take us over Wednesday. So we'd do like all like all his drills and all that, and then at the end he'd like give us matches and stuff, and we'd run like a little show. It was like a bit of fun, a bit of messing about, but we like did the matches properly and stuff. And me and RJ just decided, to, you know what? Do we just tag? So because we're, we're struggling getting singles bookings as it is, so we just make a tag team. Like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Um, so that it took off from there, and then we were still just getting singles bookings, and it was hard. And then we turned up at, at Wrestle Island, paid the ticket, helped out, and stuff. And obviously, we know Tony Knox. Tony Knox is our boy. <laughs> he goes, "Have you got your game with you?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh." I've spoken to Peter and he said it's okay to get pictures taken. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. So we that's went good, backstage, got, got our pictures taken. Fascination of Tony, that. Well, I speak to Tony a lot, so I, I know exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> and he's, so we get in our game, Peter's like, Peter Blackman's like looking at us. And so we get undressed and we, I say looking at him, he wasn't like snarling at us or anything like that. <laughs> he's a lovely fellow, Peter. And, um, I, we just went up to him and started speaking to him and stuff. And he goes, um, I do want to book you. So we've just been like trying to bring you in and stuff. And we hadn't really been Paradox then. And we we didn't have a team name either at the time. But we had Paradox, but we didn't like settle on it because we were like, okay, we need to like, think of some, something better. But um, and we just stuck. So we did this like um, seven-person scramble match. But Ryan wasn't in the match. He was just in like with me. And I remember it was just a big clusterfuck. Uh, I love Wrestle Island a bit, but I just remember that match was just all over the show. And like, I don't think I was ready for mm-hmm. a match like that. And um, and then Ry Lloyd was in the in the match as well. But Ry Lloyd started come to like all star little like he came once, and like we changed. Oh yeah, it's actually quite sick. And when we got our pictures taken. Ry Lloyd was with us because we just grabbed him because we recognised him. I was like, hey, do you want to get your pictures taken with us? Because he, he'd only done like the Rumble appearance at Wrestle Island. And um, so after the match, we got done in by the Merseyside Mercenary Squad. Um, so that built up the match for the next show. It was like Paradox with Ry Lloyd versus Merseyside Mercenary Squad. And um, we just turned around to Peter and was just like, yeah, Ry Lloyd's in Paradox now. And we're like, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, so so they just became, we became like a free, and Andy Knox come down to training. Um, but he's from Basics, he's in North Wales, brilliant wrestler, and he, he's so young as well. You you'd be that surprised how young he is, but how good he is as well. And we just he started hanging around with us, and we started like having matches at training and stuff like really good matches. I think Ryan went up to um, Ryan RJ, sorry. Oh, I've just spilled the beans on his name. RJ um, went up to Glasgow with him for like a night out. Or oh, I think it was Liverpool or something like that. And they put a picture up. And they're both like doing the P with Paradox. And they're going, um, Andy Knox and Paradox. I was like, what about Andy Knox and Paradox? Like, one of the other four man group. And it just stuck like that. And we just, it just worked. And especially with us coming into Britannia, with Rye being involved with the family still, it, it was like it was nice for like it was still us three. Uh, obviously, at first it was me and Ryan. And then the next show it was me and 
Ryan and uh, Andy Knock. I keep saying people's real names. Me, Ryan, and Andy Knock. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just made sense. And we've had Gay full of Britannia. I love it there. It, like, I think Sax has really given us, like, let, let us have run with the ball, so to speak. And I believe under this new ownership of Britannia, it'll be, it, it can still carry on being great in what it is. And it might become its own entity, like, separating because what the new owners want to do with it. You could have something brilliant lined up for it. And we can only be hopeful for the future for them. How, but, how, yeah. was, it, how was it getting to it with the Dogs of War? Obviously, with the, with the titles. Oh, oh it, 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 it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> um, oh, I'm not saying they're unsafe lads, because the safe is ours, they look after you, but they hit you. Like, Dave Faulkner's like, for me, he was in the Ultimate Fighter, wasn't he? Was, he was. I watched and it. He, when he was in he's it. He's made his career of MMA fighting and like proper wrestling, like real wrestling and real fighting and stuff like that. And it, so when he, he when he lays stuff in, and he, I remember he gave me a kick and he nearly took me head off. Like he still hit me with it, but I was, like, I was shocked. I was like, oh my god, he's 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 so big as well. You just don't expect it, and it. He proper just took me off my feet, and I'm like, "Wow!" And he picked me up and goes, "You okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry, don't worry." And um, I think with me and Ryan, because obviously our like first proper tag at Wrestle Island, Ryan jumped off the balcony, didn't he, and everything onto everyone but up below, and everyone just like started expecting us to be like really indie because Ryan's dead quick. And he is, he's really fluent, he's really quick and he can do stuff that I can't do, he can do stuff a lot of people can't do. And so everyone just expected us to be dead Indian. It was like, okay, I think, well, Ryan is, but, and then I think uh, Pitbull and Dave kind of like went, okay, we need to like kind of keep up with these boys now. Because these have got, we're bringing the rest of the island fans down to Britannia and there was like this, it created this like strange football atmosphere, which was brilliant, I loved it. I remember Wrestle Island fans throwing streamers into the ring for us whilst the, all the Welsh lot were giving us shit. <laughs> like, threatening to kill us and stuff like that. Like, we were getting threatened to be t- done in outside and we thought it was brilliant. Um, so I think, yeah, the dogs of war definitely was like, okay, we need to like up our pace here with these. And they kept, they did more than keeping up with us. You're brilliant. Like, they matched us. It was awesome. Like, I know they say that, I said that the rough boy, you've got to give it as good as you get. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember them saying, it was harder next time, just it was harder. It's like, okay, yeah, well, sound. Um, and I remember Davey gave Ryan this chop, and it was the loudest chop I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get chopped off, Dave. I don't <laughs> want and I've been chopped off. I've had, I've had a chop off Big T. I've had more than one chop off Big T, and they hurt. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to mess with Dave Faulkner. I don't want to fuck with Dave Faulkner. <laughs> but them, them matches building up. We obviously we had the three on two handicap match at Britannia, and I'll throw my hands up. I was, I had, I just come back from glandular fever, and I was still really fucked from it. I was so fatigued, I was so weak. Um, but I still, for some stupid reason, once I recovered, even though I was still fucked, I was like, oh yeah, fuck it, I'll still wrestle. There's two, two other people on my team. But and even then, I felt it, I was like, oh my God, I did a suplex. I was like, I have to get out, I'm fucked. 
like that tagging out. But the the that match was like, okay, we've done this now, and the crowd were dead into it. Both team, like both sides of the crowd, were screaming for each team, and it did come up with this football atmosphere. And then obviously that's when Rye joined us uh, right at the end of that match, and then we went into uh, we had the contract sign and stuff at the Batani show and then the next day we won the belts off the Dogs of War at Wrestle Island and I think it all built up quite well quite like the story all the fans got behind it and I know we didn't do a lot of wrestling wrestling so to speak so it wouldn't be like a five star match it'd be nowhere near a five star match Like, but I think the, we got the crowd invested in it because of the time we put into like them coming to Britannia and the Britannia fans coming to Wrestle Island and stuff, and then having the banter back and forth on Facebook and stuff, and uh, and like social media. Yeah, I think the crowd really got invested in it because I think we felt like a part of it. Mm-hmm. And like, as we used to jump into the crowd, into the Wrestle Island crowd, like their little section at Britannia, if we won a match there, we'd jump in, like we'd just score the goal, and like we just won a match. And it, and I think they all just loved it. They were all like jumping on us and stuff like that. It was brilliant. Um, so I think the crowd really got invested in that and I'm gutted that it couldn't have gone further because of the current circumstances that we're in now that we're in lockdown, we can't wrestle. I'm really gutted we couldn't take that further and expand on that story and go back and forth. Um, but no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed working with Paul and Dave Faulkner. I do. I, I've got a lot of time for them. I know women's to be sworn enemies, but <laughs> fuck it. I don't care. You know, I've got a lot of time for them. You can break... Even if Pitbull is a Tory. Yeah, even if Pitbull is a Tory, I like him. It's cool, man. It's cool. Like <laughs> you say, looking, looking from afar as a fan, as you're saying, because the shows had stopped, but there was a lot of momentum, wasn't there, with the story and the match? Yeah, there was. We were coming into like sort of our own. I remember speaking to Saxon, being like, um, I've got an idea, can we try this out? And I'm not going to go too much into it because I know Sax probably won't want me talking about plans, but obviously it never come to fruition because of COVID and stuff. And then Sax not being the owner of BWP anymore. And, um, but it was great to have that conversation with him. We had something coming up, like uh, or like like an evolution of us because we went from four to three, didn't we? Because Ryan broke his leg. Yeah, I I did at Wrestle Island. I'll throw my hands up and apologise. Um, it's just like we running through a match and accidents happen. It just it freak accidents, and it's just unfortunate in the circumstances. But I think if right, it sounds really horrible. But I think if there was a time for right to break his leg, it would have been then. Mm-hmm. With everything that was going to happen, we just couldn't see it happening. But in hindsight, you know what? That's probably the best time for him to break it because now he's walking about, he's fit, and he's back. He's like he's on the road to recovery properly. Um. But no, yeah, we had like we're gonna do this thing where we're gonna be okay. You know what? We're gonna be a bit more nasty, a bit more relentless, a bit more ruthless, and it just never happened because of the current climate of the world. Um, and obviously, I've been, I've had, we've had a lot of time off, and I've been sitting here, I've been thinking, oh yeah, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. So I've got a few things that I want to try when wrestling does come back, and um. I've been watching a lot of like old school heavyweight wrestling, like old, like you know, old school like heavyweights in Japan, like of nowhere and all Japan. I've been watching them like Kenta Kabashi, Misawa, Giant Baba, uh, 
all them. And I just love it. I even like watching, you know, when Kenta Kabashi went to ROH and he wrestled Samoa Joe. I think that's one of the best matches ever. I loved that match. I'm a big, uh, like, no, I wouldn't say I'm a big ROH, but I like, I like the old matches like Samoa Joe, Danielson, all them lot. And like when, when you bring in Kenta over, I, I loved all them matches. Like, I couldn't sit there and watch them all day. And, like, when they had Takeshi Morishima and that, when he won the ROH belt, I was like, wow, this, these matches are sick. Why, why haven't I seen anything like this before? I, I just loved it. It reminded me of old-school TNA, you know, with the old-school X Division. Yeah. And because it was them guys, it was Samoa Joe, it was AJ Styles, and it was Christopher Daniels, they were all brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been watching the old-school heavyweights. I've just been learning and I've been eating. I've, I've had good during this lockdown. I'm not going to lie, I've been eating good. Well, I've been training as well, so I've been <laughs> making up for it. That's the main um, thing. Yeah, and I think a couple of years ago, i say a couple of years, may, maybe like a year or so ago, um, I got into the Young Lions with Frontline under Will Ospreay um, and he told me, he goes, do you fancy going up to heavyweight? Do you fancy going up a weight class? And at the time, I thought I was quite happy being a junior heavyweight, cruiserweight kind of wrestler. But um, I was a bit... Um, uh, and then I, I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it because it's a brilliant opportunity for me. And I did it. And you know what? I've, I've loved every second of it. I've loved like training, lifting heavy. I, I love eating big. Um, I love learning all the heavyweight moves, going back and watching like the psychology of the matches and stuff. Okay, that makes sense because of this, and well, I do this because of that, and it's like it makes you think, and it's like, yes, okay, I can do this, and then you think, okay, what if I was in there with someone like RJ who can do all the flips and stuff like that? Can I adapt to that? And you go back and you watch like you know the mixed matches, like the little guys and the big guys, it's like yeah, okay, I can learn this, I can do this and do that, and it gives you an extra avenue to go down and. A, and there's a lot of brilliant British heavyweights, T-Bone, Rampage, Brown, Dave, Mastiff. They're all brilliant. And it's like, yeah, I get to watch these as well because it's boring. I get to learn off these. Obviously, I'm never going to steal the stuff because T-Bone scares the life out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. I can watch these and go, yeah, okay. Little things I can like steal, but never obviously steal anything dead obvious. Like, I'm not be like, oh, yeah, that's mine. But no, because I never do that. I'd always throw my hands and be ignored. And I'd always ask permission if I if I wanted to do someone and seen someone do it. I'd always ask permission. Be like, look, I, if you're are you doing this move tonight? Because if not, is it okay if I do it? And it's like, yeah, I've always thought everywhere I go, if there's some, I always like try and respect people who have been here longer than me, more respect than me. I always come up to them and ask them for permission. Because why should I? They've been doing it for years. They've made the craft of this. Why should I just come in and start doing their stuff? Even if I meant it or not, it's still wrong. It's like. So I'll always go up to people and I'll ask, like, are you doing this move tonight? If so, can I use it? And they're like, yeah, nine times out of ten. They're like, yeah, and if they're, if they're like, no, they give you a reason. They're not like dickheads about it. Like, oh, no, I'm thinking about using that tonight. Can you use something? I was like, yeah, of course. I'm going to ask you now, Connor, because you've been around the business for the number of years you've been in it. Guys wanting to make a start in the business, what would be Connor Klein's tips for them? Young lads wanting to come in and start training. Uh, start training um, don't expect to just be able to do things because um, we do have a lot of people just turn up 
Um, they, they misunderestimate the, the work that wrestlers put into what they do. Um, we do get a lot of unfit people. I'm, I'm out of breath. I'll just come up the stairs. I'm, I'm unfit <laughs> on my side. Um, but no, yeah, people, we do get a lot of people who are like out of shape, unfit. And I'm not body shaming. I'm not no, no. fully. No, I'm just saying, look, you've got to be more prepared. Because we've even had like our training with our bodybuilders turn up and misunderestimate and they've been sick. Mm-hmm. Like, Harlem Bravado used to beast us, <laughs> like, cardio, 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 all the time. And I remember this bodybuilder just went, Bleh! and just never came back after that. So it's not just people who are unfit, it's like, even it's like the bodybuilder who expect to work hard, um, expect to put the hard work in outside of the ring as well, like, eating right, going to the gym, because I, I didn't for a little bit. And I really regret doing it because I lost bookings. No one wanted to book me because I looked horrible. Um, I even looked horrible myself. I looked a bit pregnant at one point. Um, <laughs> oh, I, just, I, remember, I remember seeing a picture of myself and my love handles. With my soul, <laughs> I was like, I need to sort my shit out. So I got a PT, yeah. um, trained properly, start sort of bet right because I like food too much. Um, but no, and I've really embraced going up the weight division as boss. But yeah, also ex- expect to put the hard work outside the ring and then don't just... I, I, I think a lot of people feel if they turn up to shows and that they help out, they guarantee the book. And, and no, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately, because it's happened to me loads. Um, just go in with an open mind, help out. And if you don't get booked, you don't get booked. It's not the end of the world. If you do get booked, okay, make something of it. Like, be be smart. Don't do too much. Don't do too little. Just like market yourself so you can see so they want to bring you back, and the crowd can make a connection. You don't have to do loads if you want to do loads. That's great. Like, if you can, that's brilliant. Do it. And if it's in your locker and it makes you stand out, do it. But obviously, you don't have to do loads. You just got to be helpful. Be patient as well. Be very patient. And I know it's coming from me because I debuted in like a year and a half. Um, but being patient can help because I've had I've gone through times where I've had that, like especially at the start I didn't have bookings for ages and I'd be like okay we've got to sit here and be patient for my next one because I did have bookings so okay we'll keep turning up at shows and that's the majority of the time I get on is because of I'm turning up at shows and helping out and I'm getting on these shows um, and I think a lot it, it, you have. I think it's not a necessity, but you know what? It does go in your favour and it probably excel you a lot quicker than if you were to just be picked up the training school. And I think you do learn a lot of respect as well, being respectful because I've seen, I've heard stories of you know, like training wrestlers and disrespectful. They haven't like, they've like spoke to somebody like shit or they haven't done anything. And like, obviously, the much older lads and like the more respected lads have just gone, nah. And then they, they've had a very short career, so to speak, because of their actions. And I think that's only right. If you if you come in acting like a dickhead, why should you be here? In that sense. But no, yeah, be patient, work hard, be respectful. Um, always have your gear on you. Always have your gear on you. Um, be. No, don't be afraid to go a little further. Travel them extra few miles to the show. Go out your way. Like when the country is back to normal, like 
you go to Preston, go to Manchester, go to Liverpool, go to North Wales, go to Birmingham, go to the all these shows, show your face, show that you're willing to help and learn and stuff. Go to as many seminars as you can. Because if you go to loads of different seminars and you show what you're worth and what you can do, people do pick up on it. And I think and I think you've also got to have a good social media presence when you've got to have like I said, like, and it's coming from me, and I put shit all over social media all the time. Like, you've, I think it's, it'd be good to have quite a clean social media, um, keeping it like that, like, so it doesn't come back and bite you in the ass because it can stop you getting contracts. You know, if you have like quite explicit tweets out there or controversial statuses and stuff, it can be a detriment to you. So, obviously, try and be as well behaved as possible. Um, stay out, just stay out the way as well. If things are going a bit south, just don't get involved in drama. Just keep working on yourself. Keep working out. Be patient. Be respectful, like I've just said. And I think that's it. All you have to do. Um, obviously, and then go. Out and if you're brilliant, brilliant, you deserve everything. Sounded sound advice that they've encapsulated. It's good. I like asking. I like asking the yeah. guys about. Tips, tips for guys. So yeah, I think you've done well there with that. Connor, favorite matches? Maybe just we'll keep it to a top three though, because I know you've been through hundreds. Of mine, uh, yeah. Of yours, of yours, mate. Um, I don't think I can do them in any particular order. They're just, it's, I'm just going to say three matches. Yeah. Um, I think. The Dogs of War at Wrestle Island. Mm-hmm. I think, you know what, we didn't even have to, like, do a, do a lot. Like, obviously, we worked hard, but we didn't have to go, like, put ourselves out there more because of the the type of match it was and how the crowd took into it. The crowd were invested no matter what. Um, so we just had to play off the crowd, and it was brilliant. Uh, I loved the story of it. I love, like, when the free count happens, everyone just jumps up and all the crowd bounces around the ring. No, that was brilliant. Um, I'm a match at Frontline with Cam Fedor, aka Buffalo Soldier. Um, I think that was like, okay, I'm in London now. And this is like a big scene for like UK wrestling, especially with it being Frontline. And uh, obviously it was Will's promotion, Will Ospreay's promotion. Um, it was a lot of, okay, yeah, I'm being taken a bit seriously now. I know it's like the Young Lions and stuff. Like if you watch the Young Lions out in like Japan, uh, they have like plain black gear. Um, they're only they're not allowed to do certain moves. They can only win by certain like moves, like things like a bridge in German, um, an armbar, like certain submissions and certain moves you can only win with. Um, so it makes you think a lot as well. Like okay, I can't do this. I can do this. Um, this that, and other and. Really gets the break, the thought process going. Okay, I've still got to go out there and put a decent enough match out. And I think going out there and I think also being like the only northern young lion as well, because everyone's predominantly down south that way. Obviously, Red Scotty Davis, but he graduated, but he was from Ireland. But being the only lad from the north, it I think I I, I loved, I just loved it, and I think. Yeah, I've travelled all this way because I used to travel down there, help set the ring up, do the seminar, and then go home and like set the ring down and go home. And I, I was happy just doing that, but obviously getting that match, and I think 
I felt like, you know, I've, I've deserved this and then this. I'm thinking, and then going back and then uh, Costa was running the show at the time, turned around to me and said, yeah, that, that was perfect. That's what exactly what we needed for, for that match. Thank you. And it gave me a bit of a confidence boost. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm happy now I've come to London. I've had this good, like a decent match out on myself. And I'm happy the way it went. And I'm like, I'm made up that the promoter, seeing it in like a good way as well. So that's up there. Um, I'm really trying to think. Because I haven't wrestled in that long. I haven't really thought about it. Um, I, I wrestled for IPW once upon a time. Um, I tagged with Ricky Knight Jr. And uh, a lad called The Last Two Superstar. I think his, his other wrestling gimmick was Mountain Stew. Um so it was us, two, us three against, you know, the Bone Brothers? The who, sorry? The Bone Brothers. No, not heard of him. I've got to the, be honest. I'll be honest when I don't know they're, some. They were around the um, the Midlands scene quite a lot, and they were on IPW quite a lot. And a lad, Kit, Kit Knox, that's it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they, they, all, they all look like each other, and they're all good-looking lads. But they, they were just like burglars. For some strange reason, they were just like burglars. But we got to wrestle them, and I just thought, yeah, I got to wrestle with IPW. Brilliant. I got to, like, Shane Taylor was there from ROH and yeah. stuff, and I got, like, Kip Sabian was there, Ridgeway, uh, Damien Dunn. Like, all the, before, you know, before people started getting signed and mm-hmm. stuff, they were all getting going here and there, like, before like, Kip went to AEW. I was like, okay, these are, it's quite cool. And backstage are quite loads of lads, and then Chris was going. Go up to such and such and ask for feedback, and do it because it'll be good on you. Then I go, oh, okay, well, I'll do that. And obviously, you got in like um, the IPW promoters, Billy Woods, good books and stuff. Um, and I got more bookings later on down the line from that. So I think that's definitely up there, especially because it was quite a big booking for me at the time. Like it's still a huge book in IPW. But when it when it was a thing, IPW. But yeah, I really enjoyed the experience of being there. Like it, it was miles away. I think we were closer to France than I was home. That's how far away it was. That's cool, man. That's cool. Got an old head on young shoulders. You have. That's what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> the stuff like you've done. Cool. No, no, it's it's cool, man. The experiences, as you say, that hot bed of talent who you know just before they all got signed to where they were going. You can't. Experiences like that, you know, I think there'll be a lot of oh, no, I've been really, more of that. Really fortunate, yeah. yeah no, I, I do see myself being really fortunate. I've got to remember who I am at the same time. Like, yeah. I'm not really big bollocks. I'm still yeah. kind of fine. I've still got a long way to go. Who Who are your favourite wrestlers of all time? Just a all few, time. just a few, just to to close I'll out. Get, um, all right, we're gonna go with The Rock. Mm-hmm. The Rock's got to be up there. Come on, um, Brian Danielson. I'm going to say Brian Danielson because I just love how ruthless he is in ROH. I love the aggression. I, I love all the fans chanting, "You're gonna get your fucking head kicked." Out. I just love it. I love the violence. I'm a violent person, Stu, and I love it. No. <laughs> 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 um. What else? I'm trying to think. Me. Uh, the one. It's always been The Rock and Brian Danielson, but 
Daniel Bryan because I do I do love like I love that match he had with the Fiend at the Rumble this year. That was brilliant. I love it, and I think you know what because I've learned so much watching watching him, and he's such a legend out in Japan, Kenta Kabashi. Like, and I, I know it's a very oh internet fucking smart mark comment, but no, I do I, I love watching Kenta Kabashi. Like, I, I could sit there and watch hours and hours and hours of Kenta Kabashi. Like, he's brilliant. I can sit there and watch all his five-star matches with Masawa and sit there and watch them. Like, even with the Japanese commentary, I don't know what they're saying, but I'm still invested in what's going on in the match. I love it. Like, I, I even showed my girlfriend it, and she goes, I, I really enjoyed watching that, even though I didn't understand what the commentators were saying, because I still knew what was going on. She doesn't get lessons. She doesn't know moves. She only knew the Rock and John Cena. Like, they were the only wrestlers she knew, obviously because they were movie stars. But yeah, it's got to be The Rock, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, and Kenta Kabashi. Sweet. And they're my top three. That's, that's good, man. That's good. Connor, where can the viewers and the listeners find you in terms of social oh. media? Where are you accessible? Oh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, at Klein Connor. Just type in Connor Klein, C-O-N-O-R-C-L-Y-N-E, because there's only one of me, unfortunately. Um, Instagram, Twitter, don't add me Facebook because Connor Klein is my real name. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to keep it private because I've got family and close friends on there. Um, I've got TikTok. Follow me on TikTok. Uh, Connor Klein again, I think. I don't know. I should have really looked at these before I come on. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get... Please follow me on TikTok. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, um, yeah, I'm on pretty much all social media. Yeah, just don't add me Facebook, please. There we go. That's it. They know. They know now, don't they? You know now. Don't be fucking with me, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Connor Klein, member of Paradox and a fellow Evertonian. I'll close yeah, out with man. that. Thank you, Evertonian. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank Let's you. hope we win tomorrow, mate. Oh, I, I hope so. After last we need week, a win after that right? last week. Oh, we shame. need it. They need to uh, just no, no hammers. Podcast Network.